0: Stories, fables, ghostly tales. Welcome, you lovely listeners. This episode is a continuation of the Let's Not Meet series of stories, and I have two final accounts for your brilliant ears. Let me just say, there's sex dungeons, violence, and animal abuse, so this is not for little ears. Nuh-uh so shuffle them off to another room please to keep them younglings safe. Before I start, I want to thank both of today's authors for allowing me to share their stories. It takes a lot of courage and a lot of trust to share these accounts, and I genuinely hope this provides some sort of relief. As the more I do these episodes, the more messages I receive from both the audience and authors on how beneficial these accounts are, and how it helps other people process these kinds of situations. Now turn the lights off, the sound up and let's listen to some truly strange and scary accounts. Hello, everybody. This story takes place on the same piece of land referenced in my prior posts. Horrifying storage unit auction experience, although this one took place almost 20 years prior. Back then, this parcel of land was owned by my dad and a business partner. It was essentially vacant although we had taken on a few tenants who needed space to restore old sailboats or store industrial machinery. Being in a somewhat remote area, we were not immune to trespasses and tenants would tell us about stolen tools or machinery parts often. This is where we met Dan. Dan came to my father much in the same way many others did. He had a boat restoration business and needed a place to work. He also asked if it would be okay if he slept on the property a few nights a week, under the guides of it saving him time commuting if he worked late on a project. This was mutually beneficial. As Dan seemed like a decent guy, it would be nice to have a presence there overnight. We let him have a reduced rent rate as a compensation for him generally keeping an eye on the place. A few months later, Dan had built himself a little compound, a series of 3 sea containers In a horseshoe configuration, with a little trailer in the middle. Over the same period of time, we noticed that Dan never seemed to work. There were never boats there, and Dan's a few nights a week became every night. Soon after, the excuses for why he didn't have rent started coming in. Effectively, we had invited a squatter into our property. Dan became the same people we wanted him to keep out. Trying to look at the bright side, My dad and his partner were still okay with this as it was beneficial to have someone there at all hours. The theft had gone down substantially and Dan's rent, even when paid in full, was not tipping any financial needles for us. So we let it be for the time. About a year later, Dan's mental health was starting to show its cracks. He went from polite to aggressive and bitter. He wasn't violent and was always very courteous to me, personally. I was 23 at the time. But when he was asked about money, and back rent he would get defensive and start blaming my dad, and his partner, for why he couldn't pay. My dad wasn't afraid of anybody. But Dan made him nervous. My dad's partner had a friend who had recently dealt with a similar renter-turned-squatter situation, and when he called the police for assistance, he was thanked by the squatter with a bullet in his stomach. A few thousand dollars back rent or an eviction was not worth a gunshot to my dad, and we all felt that Dan was capable of snapping that way. So we just kept Dan busy, doing cleanup and random tasks, which he always did, and remarkably well. One day my dad asked me to run up to the site for him as he was out of town. A tenant had called because it looked like someone had tried to cut through a piece of our fence, and we wanted to get eyes on it. I pulled onto the property where I was greeted by Dan. Hey, buddy! He yelled and waved. Dan was always very respectful to me, a courtesy of which he had stopped showing my dad and his partner some time ago. Hey, Dan! I yelled back as I parked and got out of my car. Come check this out! Dan replied and waved for me to step inside his little compound area. I was dying to see what was going on in there, honestly. I knew Dan was off, but I never felt intimidated or in danger. Just another weird guy. I walked over and Dan brought me next to one of the sea containers. Check this out. This sea container had a roll-up door on the side instead of the typical latch and swing doors on the end. He rolls up the door to... A wall? I look closer and he has welded a metal wall two feet into the sea container. What am I looking at, Dan? Skirt Skirt down the the pathway pathway to the left. He says and points. I look down a narrow pathway and see a small opening at the end. Maybe four feet high and three feet wide. Check it out. I really should not have gone in but again. Curiosity and that feeling of invincibility you have as a twenty-year-old overshadowed my better judgment. I squeezed it down the hall and through the door into the main hold of the sea container. The interior was painted deep red. Shag carpet had been poorly glued to the ground. On every wall and surface, broken pieces of mirror had been glued. And in the back, an old-style prison door had been welded in place. And behind it, a small round bed with shiny satin sheets. There are times when you can't really believe what you are seeing is real. The sensory overload of this enclosed space was too much. I don't know how long I stood there, but was snapped back to reality when Dan, standing right behind me, says, I love to party in here. I hadn't even realized he followed me in. One good piece of advice my dad gave me. When dealing with tricky situations, was always play along as long as you are safe, and when the moment comes, get away fast and safely. I ran through the scenarios. I had done MMA and kickboxing in college. I'm not a small guy, but neither was Dan. Do I punch him and run and risk god knows what? Are there weapons hidden in here? I decided for the path of least resistance. Wow, Dan, this place is sick. I bet with some weed and some music, you could just spend hours back here. Yeah, man, you should come back and we can hang in here together. It'd be wild. His face softened, like he had just found a friend who got it. Look, Dan, I want to hang bad, but I came here to meet my dad and he should be pulling up right now, so I have to go meet him. Dan shrugged and I walked past him. Squeezing through pathways until I was back outside, I calmly walked to my car, got in, and left. I relayed the story to my dad and his partner who thought it was odd, but due to the fear of potential violence from Dan, both my dad and his partner weren't certain that Dan didn't know our home addresses. We didn't call the authorities. We did, however, keep a very close eye on Dan and actually brought in another tenant to stay the night and keep an eye both on Dan and the property. Eventually, Dan decided to move on. One day we showed up and his containers were being loaded onto a shipper, but he was nowhere to be found. He had moved on, leaving behind only sea container footprints and three dumpsters worth of garbage. I told the police the story soon after, along with his name, and they said they would keep their ears out, but not knowing where he went or if Dan was even his real name, there wasn't much they could do. In the time since, we have never had a visit from or heard from Dan. The only people I've told this story to are my paintball friends from work, who would practice with me on this property and knew Dan since he was always there. And that's where the nickname was coined, Sex Dungeon Dan. This story contains drug use, violence, and animal abuse. I've been needing to express myself about what happened between October 2017 to February 2019. So, for some backstory to try and answer some questions before they get asked, here goes. I graduated from school in 2016. I wasn't working at the time. It wasn't like I didn't try to find work. I did, I just didn't get many calls back. I had a couple of job interviews, but they all fell flat. And it didn't help that I stupidly refused to put my resume forward to the local supermarkets because most of the high school bullies work at which. And the thought of working with the group of people who terrorized me for four-ish years filled me with too much anxiety. So instead, I spent most of the time surrounded with the select few friends that I had, which in the end wasn't that many at all. I was always sort of the quiet one at high school, And early on into school, I got a girlfriend. I spent most of my time developing our relationship further instead of finding friends. A mistake I would have come to regret. When we split up right before high school ended. I didn't really have many friends to fall back on. I had one really close friend though all throughout high school that we will call Sam. As I don't want to use any real names. Sam was really supportive when me and my girlfriend broke up. He also had a great job, a really nice family, money, friends, and at the time was a pretty good influence on me as my parents would say. He didn't do any drugs or drink. I looked up to him, as a person and as my best friend. So, it was a really easy decision when Sam asked me to move in with him, when he found the cheap rental property. Sam's family were friends with a small real estate agent office. So it was easy for Sam to find a house, even if it was stupidly overpriced for the condition of the house. We were stupid, and our parents just wanted us out. Sam's family believed he was too successful for them, to need to support, and my parents, stepdad, wanted me out because he was tired of needing to support me. Again, I wasn't working. Sam and I moved out with his childhood friend, who we will call Blake. Now, before we moved, I had never met this person before. He was never really home because he was always out for work or dirt bike riding. He lived with us for about four months before the first big terrible event happened. Sam let two strangers, from Blake's perspective, sleep in his bed. When he was away from home, Blake got home one night at 2.30am, ready for bed to walk into his room to see two strangers having sex in his bed. He left the next day. And as far as I know to this day, after their last argument, they never talked to each other again. So after that brief introduction, this is where I will get into the bulk of this post, starting from February 2018. At this point, I had a source of income. I had gotten a job through my dad, and I was enjoying being out of the house. By this time, I was starting to suspect something was very wrong with Sam. He wasn't leaving to go to work before me, which was weird. He was increasingly snappy and angry all the time, and he was leaving work early all the time and didn't tell me where he was going. In the end, he was cheating on his girlfriend at the time with a girl from our high school. The first few months with my friend acting this way, he would threaten to move all my stuff out of the house and onto the road if I didn't do something he said, like cleaning up the house on my own, going shopping, or any other various tasks. I didn't have much. Only my mattress, he accidentally broke my bed frame whilst I was at work, and my office computer which I used for Discord and playing small indie games, so it wouldn't have been hard for him to actually do it. He never did, but I guess it was because I never really argued with him. He started stealing my clothes which didn't even fit him, and would let me borrow his shirt to brag about how good of a friend he was. Eventually, he just stopped cooking food for himself. Sam's dad had given him a fuel card to use for petrol. He used to buy fast food twice a day for months until his dad cut him off from the card, in which he turned to two litre bottles of iced coffee and McDonald's nightly. I understand that this was more of his business and not mine, but he eventually asked me to cover his part of the rent, and he couldn't afford bills, which made it my issue. He asked me to buy him food, and when I refused, He would guilt trip me into feeling like absolute shit. Or he would block the entrance to the house or my doorway to my room. I was already really anxious since he had started getting more aggressive and more angry. So I often agreed with him, which left me struggling for money. At some stage, he just stopped going to work, as he explained it. Work let me leave early today and they said they would call me in again if they needed me. We got into an argument. I told him that he was wrong and he still had to go to work. It took him 10 weeks to call up his work, who explained to him they meant for that day, and that they had registered him as abandoning his job. So, he ended up unemployed. I tried to support him as much as he had for me during my breakup, and when I moved in when I was unemployed. But he got really mad and angry all the time, which he took out on me screaming at me for being right. (sighs) Because of all his free time, he started inviting the girl from high school over all the time, threatening me to keep it a secret from his girlfriend. Obviously, in the end, I didn't, since I was close with Sam's current girlfriend, so I only ever saw this girl over two or three times, but in reality, she was over all the time whilst I was at work, about four times a day. For the more tragic part of when I was living with him, He decided to buy some pets. He was given a bird from his family. He brought a dog, which he called Sparta, and he decided to buy a cat, which he called Skittles, for the girl from high school, which then ran away. He brought another cat and called it Skittles again. And the state that this Skittles was left in was appalling. When either the girl or I wasn't around the house, it was revealed that he would lock the kitten in the closet and only feed her when he remembered i should have tried harder to protect the animals in the house i tried my best to feed them when sam wasn't around but when he caught food missing he would question me when he found me feeding his cat he grabbed me slammed me into the wall and screamed at me for poisoning his animals i remember he hit me really hard one day i came home and the bird that he kept near the door wasn't there and sam wasn't home i asked him where the bird was, and apparently it had fallen over in its cage and broke its neck. This was where immediate panic started, and I realized that I was living with someone who was much more than depressed. Sam came home later, and I was ready to explode at him. I was fueled with rage and anger for what he had done to the bird, and with an empty shoebox, he proceeded to go out to our backyard. I followed him, and, as it turned out, He had that box to bury the kitten, who, according to Sam, broke its neck, jumping around in the closet. I remember the way he told me vividly. He wasn't sad or angry. He was empty. His eyes felt hollow, and he told me he wasn't sad about it. He went back inside to his room and locked himself in there. I didn't see him for nearly a week. I came home one day from a very tiring day at work. I had requested to get the morning off to clean for a house inspection. At this point, I believe that this was our second one, so I stayed behind at work to do some overtime. Sam thought I was out for the night, and when I got home around 8.30, I found him and the girl from high school smoking weed in our lounge room. I didn't say a word. I couldn't. At this point, Sam wasn't the person I went to high school with. Every day over the past six months, he had found a way to yell, Steal, guilt, punch, kick, threaten me nearly every day, and there was always a reason he hated me. And this attitude ate at me. He blamed me for what happened to the bird and cat because I wasn't there to stop them from hurting themselves. (sighs) This was one of the final turning points for me. I went to bed and had a sleepless night. I heard Sam insult me. I heard him cheat on his girlfriend. I heard him lie about money being employed and using everything he remembered from high school to impress her. The next day, I told his girlfriend. I stole his dog, who was incredibly malnourished, even after I'd been sneakily feeding him a handful of dry food twice a day. And it was beaten. I called the RSPCA and reported him for animal abuse. I emailed photos I took of the house for proof. I used the cover of the real estate agent coming over for an inspection to protect myself from him overreacting. When I came back to collect the last of my things, which was my old PC, I stupidly entered the house thinking our real estate agent was in there. I thought the car was there, but it wasn't. I was greeted in the hallway by a shirtless Sam who pushed me against the wall. He smelt of weed, and alcohol was burning into my skin. He pushed me up against the wall with one hand and brought out a knife in the other hand. He had me pinned against the wall and the knife held closely to me. There was a long argument with him mainly screaming, and me shaking and not being able to spit my words out. He got angry when I told him where Sparta was, so he choked me and ran the silver of the knife down my arm. I remember feeling like I blacked out. Everything was a blur. He kept getting more and more intense, going on about how I betrayed him as a friend and his girlfriend dumped me over him. He then let go of my neck and pushed me harder into the wall with his shoulder, and drew the knife close to my neck. I truly felt like I was going to die. I muttered out, my friends can hear you. We were close enough to my room, and he often knows when I left my room I always had discord open. He let go of me, and I ran away to my car and left. I stayed with my parents for a couple of days living on their couch, too afraid to really talk to anyone. But my parents noticed that I was jumpy and called me so. And I told them that I missed them. I had hardly seen them over the past 10 or so months. Sam chucked me a message saying, We need to talk, which we did in a public place. He told me that he was moving out back to his parents because he could no longer support himself and the house had too many bad memories for him. He left. To this day, I still have not seen him. This was around August 2018. People from high school stopped being his friend. Once the girl and I told all of our collective friends what he did and how he acted. I reported him to the police. I never pressed charges, but I told them I never wanted to see Sam again. I don't think anything ever came of it. I couldn't afford to get a restraining order, as I recall being told they cost money. But it is reported. I moved back into the house on my own. He left all of his furniture and bedding as it was, only taking his headphones, his PS4 and his TV. From that moment on, I was alone and living in the house that my best friend nearly killed me in, sleeping on his couch in the lounge room because I couldn't afford my own. I was alone and I was in a really bad headspace. I stopped talking to all of my friends and at work and I started having nightmares so this was dating from October 2017 to August 2018. I was still in the house until early 2019, which, living in the aftermath of what Sam did to me, was as bad, if not worse, than living without him. The isolation and darkness, and things I saw and regret not doing, like not being there to save the bird and the cat, still eat away at me. I will need to do some digging, but I will try to find images of the house and the dog for proof if needed, and post an Imgur album. Things didn't get better, and then worse. Until I met a girl. I have been writing this for about three hours, and I am more than happy to write up the other part of this story, which I will likely be doing in confessions, or here once I feel more up to it. Talking about this has been really hard. So where am I now? At the end of 2019, I met my current partner. She is absolutely incredible, and we actually bought a house together last month. We currently live with my parents until we move out in two weeks, and I think of all my negative feelings about my old house and Sam, of which have resurfaced due to me moving again. In the end, I'm still scared and cautious, but getting this off my chest is a great way to move forward and put my old house behind me. And here's a mini update, me and my partner are moving into our new home in 5 days, once we all settle down, and I'll talk about the second part of the story, which goes into more detail about my anxiety and depression while living alone in the house, while also talking about my now best friend, and Dante, who basically saved my life. Well listeners, I always learn something new from these stories. And i get a better understanding of what people face out there in the wide world and the terrors that we face often in broad daylight i think the saying alone together an oxymoron really encapsulates the feelings of let's not meet accounts what i mean by this is how often unwarily we can walk into these situations oblivious to the dangers based off familiar scenarios or cues that we read based on past experiences sometimes these cues Lead us down paths that end in let's not meet stories, like walking through a sea container and into a sex dungeon, or watching your friend's mind deteriorate over time, and only for them to lash out to you in a fit of madness. Not all cues are clear and obvious, and it's easy to look back and go, why didn't I see this? But when you're in it, it's quite a challenge, and sometimes the decisions are made for you and quite quickly. It's easy to understand how one situation can escalate to the other, The last tale really spooked me though, because Sam shows the telltale signs of next stage psychopathy, starting to kill animals, the lack of remorse, and the absence of feelings. Truly freaky. I hope he gets some help. The worst part of this story also is knowing that their best friend, the one they once knew, is gone. But the best part of that story was the recovery, positive progress, and stepping forward onto a new positive adventure. I really hope there's nothing but sunshine, for you in the future, mate. And for the author of the first tale, I hope no one squats in your location anymore. Now listeners, if you like what I do, go ahead and subscribe, where you can hear from me three times a week, if you so dare. And if you want to show the podcast some love, know that when you support me, your support only hits production. You can visit me at www.patreon.com forward sfgt. And lastly, thanks for listening. I want to take the time now to say thank you to the very special people that send me their love by Patreon. I am lucky to have Majestic Maya, Queen of Cats, my old nighty titan. Mate day in and day out, I'm constantly finding ways to improve the show. Thanks to you, I can look at old plugins, update them, and plan on purchasing new plugins to resolve any issues I run into. Currently I'm exploring ideas on new DAWs, so digital audio workstations. Instead of using Audacity, I might experiment with Pro Tools, Reaver, and even Audition, for example, to find what options those tools provide. There are definitely different architectures, for sure, with different advantages, but at least with your support, I can entertain the thought of using them. Thank you so much, Maya. You're bloody marvellous. And next up, my white tea warlord, Lizasaurus Rex. Mate, I'm super stoked this weekend, because, 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 I've finally found some time to square away to respond to you. Folks, I take my responses to my supporters and listeners super serious, and sometimes my time runs away with me. Leza, though, has the patience of a saint and the kindness to keep supporting me in the way he does. But I just wanted to genuinely say thank you, mate, for supporting me in the way you do, and expect to hear from me this weekend. Also, I'm using your lovely donation to purchase some new intro and outro music, so I can't wait to use them. Thank you, Lesa you're brilliant. And my second white tea warlord, because I'm so lucky to have two, it's Paige Kramer, the sorceress of knowledge, the weaver of intrigue and the conjurer of thought, made it an absolute whopper of a day because thanks to your support, I can purchase a new cable to power my graphics card that is really, really on the way out. Your support has allowed me to replace a piece of my computer that is struggling and the longer I have it, and use it, the more risky it is actually, well, to run the computer. It's, uh, not completely on its last legs, but it's getting there. So rest assured, my little beast of a PC will be running far more smoothly when this part comes in, thanks to your lovely self. Cheers, Paige. And now for the nitros that blasts through this podcast's engine, I'm lucky to have a set of wonderful Elgrain forces. They are... Chad Warren, Just Heather, Juicebox Andy, Peter Affili, Tasha Moncrief, Dolphin and Cow, Michelangelo Yacone, tea Time Drinker One, and Divided by Zero. You legends help make this podcast what it is, and again, a special thank you to the authors of this episode also. I'll definitely be doing more of this in the future, and I can't wait to share more with you over the next couple of months. Now, mates, I'm gonna rug up and keep warm because over here it's winter, and bloody hell, it's cold. So stay warm yourselves, or frosty if you're melting, and as always, till next, we meet.